Shalom, shalom, and welcome back to the Great Day Podcast. I'm your friend and host, Mayor K. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those who are coming back for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome back. It's good to have you. And if you haven't yet, go give us a like, comment, feedback. We'd love to hear from you on the platforms. You can find us on any platform where podcasts can be found. Thank you for being here. And without further ado, let me give you a little bio about our guest here today. He is the most eligible Jewish bachelor, well, not counting myself. Uh, he's the guest. He's here today with us. He is much more than just a pretty face and a member of the tribe. Oh, yeah. He's a marketing guru. Known the, he knows the ins and outs of what people want, especially the mind of the millennial. And that actually is the name of the marketing agency that he founded, Millennial. He's also is one of the founders of JSwipe a Jewish dating app that has married off thousands and thousands of couples to date. He's a kind man, a wise man, and a blessed man. Hashtag Mr. Cupid himself is here with us. Please give a warm welcome to David Yaros. Friends, brothers, and sisters, Wherever you're listening from, welcome to the Great Day with Mayor K Podcast. And we are here with my main man, a good friend, the legend, David Yaris. Thank you so much for hosting us in your beautiful apartment overlooking, what is this, the Hudson? Yes. This is the Hudson, right? This is where this is where the plane like literally just like when it landed, this has been right over here. It's a beautiful view. We've got the city. We have the Washington. We have the uh, Williamsburg Bridge on the left. It's a beautiful home. You really... I think you were telling me earlier that you uh, decorated and uh, interior designed this apartment to, to remind you of some vibes from Tulu, Mexico, huh? It's a, it, basically, I want to live in a jungle. <laughs> and until I'm living in a jungle, I'm going to you know, try to bring the jungle vibe to me. So we got some plants, yeah. got some like low floor seating situation. I like it. Um, but it's all in the pursuit of like living in nature. Wow. Yeah. Got that. Very nice. What, um, let me ask you to jump right into it. Do you have a favorite quote? I ask you this because I'm in this room and I see there's so many different little nice little tidbits, little words here and there, phrases. What, what, what comes to your mind when I ask you that question? What comes to my mind is like probably my main mantra for the last like little while, possibility and abundance. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know if it's as much a quote as, you know, two intentions that are, you know, meaningful to me, yeah. but it's probably my favorite quote. And what's uh, what triggers that? Why? What's what's what do you see for yourself for possibilities and what and what life? It was a really you know powerful lesson that I received from a from a friend a few years ago in the desert in the morning. And the idea was that so many people and so much of life were conditioned to uh, live through the lens of fear and scarcity. Am I good enough? You know, can I afford that? Will they like me? Can I, will I be accepted? All Just all of this is like scarcity. Um, and if you could just reframe and process those same, you know, moments through possibility and abundance, which, you know, and then live into that, it opens up sort of a new way of living and an approach to life that um, feels really nice. Mm. Um, so to me, it's, it's uh, a mindset through which I tried to, you know, live, decide, uh, flow, act uh, on, and it's been it's been you know healthy and, and a really great addition, you know, to my life. Got it. So for you, um, I'm, I'm just trying to guess: was this desert conversation taking place at Burning Man? It it was. It was. <laughs> it, it was. It I, was. Oh, I love it. I went to Burning Man myself like three years ago uh, for the first time, my only time. 
And uh, for me, and I love to hear your experience. It was it was truly it was it was incredible. First two days, I went hard, no sleep. I didn't sleep. I just was overwhelmed by the people and the arts and the possibilities of this adult playground. And then I crashed for a little bit, and then I found my center, and it really turned out to be as you know, it's just the way the world the world should be. You know, radical acceptance and love. And I understood completely once we were leaving why people were saying, "Oh, we're going back to the default world." Mm. You know that terminology because. The, the level of, of just communication and um, warmth and understanding and the conversations that one has, as you were sharing, is just next level. Truth. Yeah. yeah. And so for sure, for me, and also the the Shabbat experience at Burning Man is like my like my energy source for Jewishness for the next year. Mm. Like tapping in at that, at that moment, like in that night, in that day. And like the experiences surrounding that there are just so powerful for me that they like truly like fill me up for like the energy that I take to like push forth like in Jewishly um, for the year to come. Yeah. yeah. What is what is Shabbat for you? What what does what's that connection? Mm, I'm so happy you asked because <laughs> I had like a like a realization two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I think it was here. It was in this very space, mm -hmm. and I was hosting a, a Shabbat dinner for some friends, and. Um, in thinking of how to introduce Shabbat for those who maybe weren't familiar or even reframe it for how, like I, what I feel and the meaning that I find in it today, it just came to me, but it was like, oh, no wonder I like Shabbat so much because really it is literally the holiday of chill. Like yeah. it is literally, <laughs> literally cel celebrating like, just chilling the F out, relaxing right. and just being present. Mm. And it's a, a holiday and like a, a, a holiness around that. So what is it to me? It's, you know, uh, uh, sacred presence of like chilling and being in the moment with people you love, not distracted and just like being yeah. um, is what it is to me. And I love uh, sharing and experiencing that with friends, family and, you know, uh, new and old, yeah, yeah. And you host. You, you mentioned. I see that you have the Shabbat candles and you know displayed. So you host Shabbat dinners and events here in your own apartment. Here often, sometimes at the office, just because it can fit more space. Yeah. Um, for the last few years, it was more at the office. But I, I realized in thinking about it around the New Year this year that I was hosting a good amount of Shabbats. They were maybe between like twenty five and thirty people. And then at the end of it, I felt like exhausted and I didn't feel like I was able to like meaningfully connect with people on a individual or on like a deep level because there were so many people that I was like making sure everyone was good and popping Hosting here and popping and, there. Yeah. And so my intention with Shabbat um, gathering for this year was to have smaller, more intimate, you know, uh, groups so that we could really connect and go deeper. Yeah, that's amazing. Has Shabbat changed much from you celebrating Shabbat as a child growing up in your home. What what did that what was Shabbat for you in that sense? And mm. what was Judaism for you in that sense growing up? Yeah, it's been an interesting Jewish journey. Mm. Um, uh, basically, I grew up, my parents became more observant when I was in like six, when I was in kindergarten. Um, so I went from not keeping anything and doing all the things and then like suddenly becoming kosher and Shomer Shabbat and Sort of, uh, eh, <laughs> I was six, seven, eight, I think so, maybe. Um, and and like going with that for a while, um, although not fully understanding it, but it now just sort of being how we did and how I did, I guess, indirectly or directly. Um, and then my extended family, like 
is not observant or kosher. And so I remember, I don't know what age, but like young, I was out with all my cousins and they were like, they were all ordering like something that wasn't kosher. I was like, huh, why am I not doing that? So then I went off my sort of own journey, um, not really keeping much. I went to Jewish day school in Miami, but I applied to Catholic prep school in Washington, DC and went um, junior and senior year. And so I had this powerful Jewish identity shift from in Miami where I lived in a you know pretty Jewish community um, both like where I lived or who I hung out with where I went to school um, everyone was Jewish and almost Jewish identity or your Jewish practice was like how like what do you do like you're at, like how much do you keep do you do this do you right. do, do that it's like a sort of um, a checklist but in, in DC when I was pretty much the only you know Jewish person that my friends knew or hung out with or whatever uh, it became like billboard Jew so it wasn't like keeping this or that. It's like, whatever you do, like, this is what Jewish people do. Oh, okay. And so it shifted the way that I understood Jewish identity to like, wow, I, this is some responsibility. I need to make sure that I like hold it out for my people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so then I, that, and, and ever since then it ebbed and flowed. I moved to New York. I, I went to, you know, Yeshiva in Israel for a, a few summers. My own note. Um, I, I was drawn to Hasidus um, <sighs> in college. So that kind of brought me back in with some, you know, renewed interest um, and it's continued to evolve. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're, when you, when you growing up, were you, uh, would you say we were a ladies man? Oh no, I'd say I was like some like, like skinny white Jewish, you know, like kid, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, so for seeing that, like growing up, I mean, in, in high school, you were like perhaps like, you know, the typical quote unquote, like, you know, skinny, would you say a geekish type of, were you, were you involved in tech at all? It's a little, yeah, it's a little harsh, bro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> easy. Um, involved in tech. I mean, I've always loved technology. I feel like growing up though, tech kind of like tech as we know it or talk about it really started, you know, becoming more maybe when I was in college, like a more present thing. Um, but I was always very early active on using tools. So in Miami, I started bringing people together through parties. Um, it was like kind of like my first foray into, I guess, community building. It happened organically. I, it was sophomore year of high school. I went to the senior year graduation party from like the Jewish day school that I went to. And I just like witnessed the, like, I guess the business model of the senior, like this group of like a few seniors bringing hundreds of people together, renting this place, like making money and i was like this looks awesome and teamed up with deanna paul who i carpooled to school with when we were i think 14 or 15 we rented out a venue in miami beach and we like threw this party and ever since then i like learned my love of of bringing people together creating like sort of the energy in between in space like in like, when you just feel like the vibration of the room based on like all the magic and connection and love and friendships and happening there like, I, I love that. I love that feeling. I feel like most alive in those beautiful connected moments. Um, so from there, I was uh, lost where, how we got into it. Oh, that's how we got into that. Yeah, no, we went into it because you were talking about how you were in high school and, um, you know, DC. Okay, the tech, DC. Oh, tech, tech, tech. Got it, got it. Um, so I've always loved bringing to get people together uh, and it's come to life throughout, you know, mostly originally in events, mm -hmm. starting in Miami, then also in college. Um, and early on to fill up like these rooms, my first company, you know, in school was called the college party. And the idea was to have a network of parties that were like only for college students. So like everyone was in the same boat as you, the same, you know, um, and it in all different types of experiences or places around in this case, it was around like the East Coast. Um, and to fill up the rooms, we would basically have different people at different campuses that we would pull together to, you know, lose, use leverage their networks, et cetera, and social. And anyways, all of this 
was word of mouth marketing without me knowing it. It's what I guess is not, you know, is referred to as word of mouth or ambassador or advocacy marketing. And then early on we were using social media when Facebook came out before there were like brand pages or we were, we were using it to, you know, leverage social networks to bring people together. Got it. Um, so I guess I was in tech early from a marketing, you know, social perspective. Yeah. Right. So is it safe to say that was this like instilled, like, you know, ideas of you want, you just love to bring people together to build communities, to build connections. Did it just sort of make sense for you to flow into this, you know, creation of JSwipe to be part of something that is all about connecting people? It's funny because it, you know, it wasn't ever planned and I would ne- would have never thought, but it makes like in reflecting and thinking about it for sure it makes sense. Mm. It definitely is an evolution in 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 bringing people together and connection and magic and love and and it's, I I love that about it. It's we are aligned in that way yeah. yeah how many to date how many people have gone married through the app uh the, it's a funny so thousands thousands yeah thousands wow. which is beautiful so mazel tov to all yeah you're going straight to was this uh, three to heaven i mean this guy's you and your grandchildren i don't, know, grandchildren. I don't, know. I don't know it maybe just like balances <laughs> out for all like the ridiculousness in my life <laughs> okay um but so thousands of people are gonna marry, but it's a funny thing because it's not like a typical business, right? Mm. No, most business models are you create a product and you like you get community members or you know uh, uh, consumers to love your brand that they use you forever, right? Uh, or they you know you whatever it is. And in in dating, it's it's the opposite. We're successful if you delete us, right? <laughs> okay. Like if you find someone like we don't want you back because right. if, if you come back, you know ultimately we're looking for you to find love and you know find the person you're looking for, and in that we don't always know who like not everyone reports but uh, if they if they found love if they were successful through it we just on um on february 14th on valentine's day this year launched a new a new thing though which is really fun uh we for years have had people success stories request from us once they got engaged or married or for an anniversary we request their like chat history like their earliest conversations uh-huh. which are always hilarious in one way, shape or form. Like they're either ridiculous or funny or cute or just, you know, all the things. But for years we weren't able to give it out because of the privacy policy, how it was. Um, but we just launched this something called, it started with JSwipe, which is basically um, a tool that people can request their chat history and like download it and relive it. And oh, it's been beautiful. really beautiful and really funny. We've had hundreds of new couples that we didn't know, you know, come out of the woodwork, share that with us. and. It's really special. Yeah. So with, so with JStripe, uh, it's bringing people together, people getting married through it, all these connections. Um, at the same time, do you find that, and there's been some arguments and some some questions around JStripe that it's not really necessarily focused on marriage and long-term commitment, but rather it's like the Jewish Tinder. And um, yeah, what, what I mean, what do you think about that? Is that, I mean, is there... Is, is there? So people often ask like, what what is the intention of the community? The, sure. the truth is, I believe it is a tool. It's like a connection tool for whatever it is you're seeking. So, you know, it, are there people who are looking specifically for like to get married? For sure. Lots. And I think you see that in the fact that many have. Mm-hmm. Are there people looking for like friends or traveling or advi- like, uh, you know, new networks and new communities they move to? Also, Yes. Are there people looking for fun, whatever that means to them? I'm sure also, yes. But that's not unlike, I feel like, the general dating experience, at least in New York City, you know, today. Yeah. Um, I'm all for people, like, being fully expressed with what it is they are looking for. So for someone who's looking for this or that, like, to share that, people to be their authentic, fullest selves in in dating encounters or whatever, you know, or even on their profile if it's that important to them. Um, and I also think that if we put out a specific you know, intention, either as an app, we wouldn't do like overarching. But if we let you, some people have requested, for example, the ability to say, you know, lo- what you're looking for. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for marriage. I'm looking sure. for fun, Short whatever. Term, long term. Um, 
it's an and it's a valid thought process. The kicker is, I feel like so many of the people who ended up getting married might, you know, you would never, you never know, right? Maybe right. they're looking for this, but they meet the, their person, and like, I would want it, I wouldn't want it to be like limiting. I would want to, if anything, like help people, like help expand people's possibilities. So it's a really interesting, you know, thought process, but um, it's a tool for whatever people are looking for, and I and I support their full expression of that in finding who they're, you know, to call in someone that fits what they, you know, their dream. Yeah. People, I, I posted before on, on social, on my Instagram that I was going to be interviewing you. And one person asked, you know, there's Orthodox, there's ultra-Orthodox, there's Reform, there's all these different types of um, categories and, you know, sects of Jews. But there's no Chabad or there's no, like, you know, Yeshivish. Mm. Is that something that um, is too micro? Is too, or is that how? It's, it's also, it's, it's, it all, it's a great question because it's yeah. something we think a lot about. Something that's been really unusual and unique with J-Swipe as an experience is that we were very intentional throughout, but also the fact that it ended up being really like serving to pretty much all or at least many most, you know, Jewish communities or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and in that it's important to us that we are always sort of addressing all. We wouldn't want to do something that would either offend or off put the other. And it's super tricky. Um, so with the majority of our audience identifying as when you sign up through the app as, quote, just Jewish. I wouldn't want it to then be like this long list of things that they're selecting or not selecting because that really is addressing and and helping a subsect of their broader audience. And I wouldn't want it to like offend or off put someone that like, oh, I'm not like, I don't want anyone, you know, to feel bad about their Jewishness in whatever it is. I think Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and full and whole like in their exact experience. And so it's such a tricky balance right. you exactly. know and yeah. also it may open up new things like you said create possibilities for someone who perhaps may think that they want a certain thing but may come across somebody who uh maybe doesn't fit the exact bill that they thought they may have heard when they were a child but for sure and open up so a, it's a, an a important bill. an important question and definitely something we we think about and i i recently we had a focus group at the office that um evolved that a little bit but mm-hmm. I, you know which basically someone's suggestion was whether it's your whether it's your like denomination or how you identify or whether it's your kosher yes or no which is obviously also like there's so much more than yes or no but it's tricky um add like a button for people to click uh, but flexible in terms of who they're looking for so it's like "Eh, i'm open but i'm open which currently doesn't allow based on it's like sort of finite you know you turn on or off the different you know denominations right but anyways i appreciate the the person who brought it up because it's something that we think a lot about yeah totally and then of course there's like number one question right there's this j swipe it's this dating app to help people connect and yet one of the founders of j swipe is single i would say it's complicated um and which is funny because when facebook first came out back in the day and in their relationship status uh um options it was like this that the other it's complicated i'm like who in the world would ever use it's complicated (laughs) but i think yeah click it's complicated complicated. let's leave it there okay Uh, copy picking up what we put it down with an app like jswipe do you and this could really apply to any type of dating app do you find that the attention is connection but through this way of connecting we're really truly disconnecting Hmm. I mean, it's um, it's a super important topic by and large for our generation, not just with, you know, dating, but with technology overall. Absolutely. Right. Like we're more, quote, connected digitally than ever before. But also, if you look at the loneliness index, which I learned recently is a thing uh, mm-hmm. where they do like a study of like connection, loneliness, feelings uh, uh, in the States, um, it as a as a nation we're also the loneliness we've ever been right so yeah all of this connectivity is definitely is definitely taking a toll and and hurting us in in ways that were maybe somewhat 
be, becoming more aware of, but also subconscious not aware of. And uh, as that relates to dating, I think it's important we, you know, address it in the, the pros and the cons. Um, I think dating apps overall have helped a lot in, in potential, in um, possibility, in meeting prospects, right? Like, for example, I moved to New York City in 2010 for a dream job and to meet a nice Jewish girl. And I moved to the Upper West Side because I was told that that's where they all lived. Right. Uh, and I did all the things to like, like look and meet to try to, you know, meet someone. And, and uh, first of all, it was like pretty powerfully, like socially, like uncomfortable for me in different ways at different times. Uh, and after like two, three or four years of living there, there was like maybe five tops that I wanted to meet and like maybe two or three that I actually did or went on dates with or whatever. And, um, you know, that juxtaposed to now that you, we could be, you know, in our pajamas anywhere, you know, watching Netflix and theoretically swiping through, you know, anyone in your city, single and, you know, open and or Jewishly anyone in the world on JSwipe because you could, you know, filter locally or city specific or worldwide. Like the, what that does for possibility is insane. It's like exponentially increases one's, you know, possibility or pool of meeting someone great. And in that. Mm -hmm. it's done a lot of challenging, you know, things as well, because that expansive pool of possibility, um, it, ha it has um, created this idea of the paradox of choice, right? Which is the psychological principle that the more options one has, this is not about dating, but it applies to dating. Sure. The more options one has, the harder it is for them to choose. And the mo more likely they are to regret, regret the choice that they made after choosing. Mm -hmm. Um and we're living in a very confusing, complex, you know, uh, time for, you know, modern dating. But um, dating apps have definitely, you know, helped accelerate this, you know, paradox, paradox of choice that people are in. And I, I, and I think it's uh, both our as the industry's responsibility to like have that top of mind. So when we're, you know, business planning and thinking of what's next or new fe features, optimize towards love, right? Like that's ultimately what we're here for. That's why we exist. That's, you know, what people use these apps for. And like, we need to remember that that's the end goal, end game and, and really build towards that. Not, you know, towards, you know, deeper engagement or more all other things that aren't, you know, that at least led by that intention. Um, and I, it's, I think on the, the, the individual to practice like healthy, you know, habits that will um, help them call in whatever it is they are looking for. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a, there's a recent, um, a recent Jew, Jewish dating app, right? Forge is coming out and or it's already out there. And it's interesting that you're t t talking about what you're saying about having all these incredible choices, so many choices, possibilities that make us sort of go backwards in our process of creating and choosing and if choosing, we regret it, that they only allow once you, you know, a certain amount of swipes per day. And if you connect with somebody, that's the only person you could talk to while you're in communication. Then once you let go of that, if you do, then the pool of, opens up again. So I think it's a, this is another maybe perhaps clever way to try to like have people stay focused and be present with the person they're talking to instead of having let's say 21 open different type of conversations true yeah i feel that uh, a couple of us in the game are um are thinking about addressing that issue in different ways and in different apps are introducing like cool features that yeah. help towards focus and finding that love and not finding more options people don't need more options right. they need they, they need the offline, you know, experiences with people that they're interested in to, you know, potentially be their person. Yeah, absolutely. So when do you, where do you see the dating world? Where do you see that going? What do you see the next steps when it comes to the dating app and the online type of dating? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, 
at a high level. I mean, there's talk when you go to like the trade shows or the conferences about like virtual reality. It's all interesting. But like we're so I feel like day to day mass adoption use of maybe wearing goggles to go on a speed date. Like we're so far from that being like (laughs) anywhere formally, like anywhere close to norm. Um, that really, for me, the most important message is, is, is the idea that the next wave of the innovation that needs to happen in the space isn't necessarily new apps or isn't like uh, new connections. It's about uh, taking responsibility, accountability and ownership over helping people find that love. Mm-hmm. So um, um, addressing that in new ways, optimizing towards like offline experiences and encounters with new people. Um, and solving that is is what I believe should be uh, the next wave of online dating, yeah. which ultimately is offline dating, right? Like at the end of the day, I don't think anyone believes that you'll get, you know, if you're looking for the one that you're going to like meet, text and get married through only texting, right? The goal is to get you offline. The goal is to have the in-person encounter where you can really, where the magic happens. We just want to get you there in an effective, you know, fun, mm-hmm. uh, efficient way. Got the world of J-Swipe. Take me back to the times when you moved to New York. I know you initially got involved with Mr. Youth. Tell me about that story and how, how it progresses till today. Uh, the story is a fun one. Uh, at a high level, I was running out of college in Boston, a small, my next business after the college party called Buzz <laughs> University. And Buzz University was a marketing agency helping brands connect with college students at the time. And after spending a summer in Israel, I went to my first conference as like a graduate. And it was the Word of Mouth Marketing Association in uh, Vegas. They have this annual conference. I tried to volunteer and there was no volunteering. And I just came from Israel where I was staying at hostels. So I was like, I got it. I'm going to stay at the Sin City Hostel in Las Vegas. Mm. It was a weird experience. (laughs) Also my first time in Vegas. Um, But so I could go to this conference and I get there and I'm like the youngest one in the room by like half. uh, And... And they found it and I had no agenda other than to learn and grow and take in and meet and just like open eyed wonder of being what's out there. Um, And through that experience, a people love that I wasn't trying to sell them something like because conferences, it's often so many people trying to like hustle something. But I was just truly being there to like learn and grow. And B, I met like this dream company. And then I tweeted at one of the founders afterwards. Um, and they were like, yeah, let me know the next time you're in New York. And I was like, oh, that's going to be tomorrow. And I ended up coming in. Um, and spending the next four years there going like deep, giving my fullest, fullest, like everything to this, you know, company, to the team, to the projects, to the experience. And it was really powerful um, for me. And I learned a lot and I grew a lot. And then towards the end of that, I started for fun on the weekends helping Jewish organizations with social media. And it started because one of the partners in that company had a friend who said she was doing something in the Jewish world. And, you know, would I meet her to talk about social media? And I was like, oh, sure. And again, like no agenda, no plan, like for fun, went into it, helped these people. And it like had a profound impact on their on everything that they were doing. And I was like, whoa. And she's like, you should talk to the Israeli consulate. I was like, "Okay." So I went and had that conversation. They're like, well, you should train our consulates and our advocates around like 10 cities. And I was like, sure. okay." Like, again, all just just flow. Right. Uh, Also pro bono. Like I was just doing it because like I got pleasure out of sharing like things that I had learned with organizations or people who like were able to implement and seeing that it was you know uh, having an impact sure um anyway so it was kind of like domino effect domino effect domino effect, and, and ultimately um ended up doing the marketing the the creative uh, and the social media for birthright um and that was our first client at millennial um and still to this day is our like, sort of deepest partnership and really really comprehensive and and exciting and you know challenging in the best ways yeah. um project 
Um, and so now Millennial is basically a, a creative and, and digital shop. We're based in Brooklyn. Um, but I've had a, a life sort of alignment focus shift over the last year. Oh, you um, sure? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, I realized that I was not no longer inspired by the idea of like building an agency, which mm. years before was like the, it made so much sense. And it was the next step. And I was so excited about it. And then found in the process and experience of it, like it was not my bliss. Mm. And a year and a half ago, or in, I started like, I was at this conference in LA and whatever triggered, I was just starting all weekend long. People were like, so how are you doing? Catch me up. And I was, instead of wanting to catch them up on what I was working on, I just started asking the question of like, bliss. Like it was like the theme for my weekend for some reason. And I was like, are you following your bliss? Like what is like, what does life look like to follow your bliss? What is my bliss? And just allowing myself to ask these questions and not just like Insta story, you know, inspo post about it, but like actually challenge myself on him. And through some like like inner work and 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 you know thinking um, over the last year, I've been reorienting towards like allowing myself to more fully, powerfully follow my bliss and still question and explore what it is that even is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in doing that, I basically uh, redesigned my day to day experience, redesigned like what I'm working on, how I'm exerting my energy, and the, and the team, I guess, and structure of millennial to focus on, you know, it was basically a year of, of shedding for me. And it was the projects and the, uh, that I was not passionate about to, to really allow myself to focus, laser focus on, on, on things that are directly in line with, you know, uh, purpose and passion and interest and excitement and all of these things. And in order to create some new space for new creation. Uh, which I'm really excited about. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Anything you want, you can share with us something fresh that you're building in your head about creation? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a lot, right? And I'm excited for it at, at a high level. And it's funny because I would never again have expected this to be like the main theme. Sure. But it's an ecosystem of projects, some for-profit, some non-profit that are all in and around the the the, the modern or the millennial Jewish experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a, I feel like it's such like a rich topic to explore. I've, I guess, found myself like having fun, you know, and finding meaning and purpose, you know, in in that exploration. Um, and and it's essentially, well, I mean, the first one is basically about bringing together modern um, uh, Jewish you know, creators uh, in all different ways. People who are actively currently thinking about like, what does the future of Judaism look like? Um, what do we stand for? What do we need? What, are, what if anything, do we stand against or, or not? And having dialogue, like real critical, authentic, uh, dialogue around that because I found that to be a little bit sort of danced around or missing in what I see as being like the global convenings of the Jewish world. Um, and it's a it's 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 a conversation we need to be talking about, sure. it, you know, if we care about it and it's starting like yesterday. And so lots of it is uh, is about bringing that together and then bringing innovation, you know, across different areas of the Jewish experience. Mm. I mean, I mean, what do what do millennials want? I mean, and does that question change between millennials in general and Jewish millennials? Um, or is could that that answer be answered in total? Well, I'm, I'm sure there is some. You know, there's um, the first thing I'll say is what I've been one of the things I've been struggling with that my friend Jules recently on a trip to India to explore the Jewish community of India mm, on the bus while we were jamming about like new thinking, introduced me to some really powerful language that helped me articulate like a core struggle for me over the last little while. Um, but I was telling him that like so personally, I first identify as a human. 
then as a universalist, which to me means like, I believe that my truth is as true in this world as like that person's truth to them. And that they're both holy, you know, true to each of us and, you know, in the same way. Whole, whole perfect yeah. and complete. And, and, then the, and then hashtag Jewish or like Jewish and, and like asterisk, like exploring what that even means to me. Um, and in that, like I, I do so much work, so much of what I give most of myself to is to the Jewish world and to like the, the future of the Jewish experience, the millennial Jewish experience. And, um, and yet there's this like almost like inner conflict that like, first and foremost, I feel like I'm a like a universalist and human. And so sort of, and basically he, said, he gave me language. He's like, it sounds like you're struggling with the role of particularism in universalism. And I was like, ooh, yeah, dog. Like, yeah. Sound, that's exactly it. Boom. Like, what is the what, what is my role as a particular? So to your question of our Jewish millennials, you know, is there similar? Of course, I'm sure there's similarities because we're all millennials. And sure. I'm sure there's particulars that are specific to the audience. But uh. depending on what you're asking, I mean, um, first of all, by and large, not just Jewish, but millennials overall are the least like traditionally religious generation in recent generations and much more, quote, spiritual. Right. Um, which I can say I feel, too, for sure. Um, and we have the ability now through, you know, either technology or through sort of just an, an openness and a connection of, of our generation to find pockets of meaning and connection and vulnerability and community in all different ways. For someone that might be soul cycle, for someone that might be something called Medi Club that meets once a month in New York City to like bring, you know, young, modern, mindful people who meditate together. And there's hundreds of people and like there's pockets of communities forming everywhere, replacing or at least filling the space that what our parents and grandparents generations, you know, filled with, uh, I guess, religion to, mm -hmm. to bring that community together, to give you fulfillment, to give you connection and vulnerability. And so what do millennials want? I think authenticity, right? People want, want realness, right? We want unfiltered realness, which is sure. funny because everyone's looking through Instagram's feeds of like filtered, like not. Right. Um, connection, um, freedom, flexibility, not much commitment. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so there's universal and particular, you know, elements of that. But I think people, I think many, about a year ago, I started like speaking. I think I just found my truth more. And at least as it relates to my like Jewish journey. And instead of giving like the softball answers that I feel like oftentimes are asked, like, why is it important to marry someone Jewish? Or all the, you yeah. know, I know all of the things that I've been like conditioned and, you know, you know, taught to say or sure. think. But like, instead of just sharing that, actually just tapping into and sharing like my confusion struggle and journey and like my my processing of this and in my starting to share that which was definitely more of my truth yeah um it's been really powerful because people have started to be way more you know engaged and responsing responsive about how they like this is something that they're grappling with also and let's talk about it and it's been it's really triggered some rich dialogue yeah it opens yeah. up incredible conversations you never have if you just stick to the script um, of just like saying, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be saying, or this is what, you know, it was, what will be the reaction if I say something otherwise. So completely understand what that looks like for sure. Um, I see, I mean, I asked you this before earlier. I said we're going to say it for the podcast. I see you're, you're wearing some sort of necklace. I don't know the proper language for what it's called, but there's like, it's like... Um, yeah, what is it? What am so, I looking at I mean, right now? I, What I is it like called? Uh, well, so there's so many, it's, it's so funny because like, it's it's very special to me yeah. and it, it's funny because there's like so many ways to answer this question so we'll start with literal literally what are they they are called palms um they are from oaxaca mexico they are um, brought here by a really 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 special group of um um these two women um kitsia and yoyo who have a 
uh, uh, let's call it a curated um, global boutique of artisanal crafts from um, countries where they find like the local um, artisan or the local artist who maybe has like a store in Oaxaca that sells a couple hundred a year, meets the people, connects and, and then brings them back here in places like the orders thousands of them so powerfully changing like sort of the economics in in these local communities and helping you know helping them scale and also bringing back their stories and their you know their pieces and sharing their stories here with you know our friends and extended community um so i love i love that about them it's beautiful um I, to me they're almost like like you know how people have like uh, essential oil diffusers right yes. to me it's like just a happiness diffuser right like i wear them at this point pretty much every day i love them and like I started originally, I think, wearing, well, I started wearing them pretty quickly every day, but like I wore them like to like serious meetings or like serious conferences or like all these Jewish conferences. They're pretty serious or at least like it's a little stiff. Right. And I wore them to like just like make light of it a little bit to like bring some playfulness, some comfort, some like casual energy into the space because it helped me be more comfortable at least. And I think it also started some like it just brought a different sort of element and energy into into the room. So I use it to kind of like cut stiffness a little bit mm. um and also it's funny because people at these like jewish events will be like is that your is that your talit and i'm like <laughs> i'm like uh, first of all, i say yeah as a, i was a guest yeah but no obviously uh, so they they just make me happy that's yeah, beautiful. yeah it's, it's, it's it's so beautiful and it's also something i feel like what perhaps even millennials even i feel like right now i just that millennials bring in and believe in i think even like jb morgan or one of these top big banks or investment banks just mentioned how they're gonna like pr- start um start Start spreading in, in, throughout their offices, casual clothing day. You know, yeah. it's more casual clothing, more chill, less suits. Just- I mean, that makes me think about like what your question of what millennials want. At least I know what I and most of the people I work with, and you know, is to like just be able to work and be in our own way. Right? Yeah. We want to be empowered. We want to be collaborative. Self expression. Like, the idea of you know the way that we at least work is yeah, at millennials like you do you how you do you just crush it. Right? Like yeah. if you want to wear polka dotted, what am I, mind you, it's the creative, you know, space. It's, you know, adver- so maybe it's a little more, you know, tolerated there, but like I fully support that being anywhere. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, so when you show up to a place where let's say everybody's wearing suits and whatnot, you show up the way you are. Fantastic. I feel like that's more of like my onesie. You know, I wear onesies and I, it's, I have like 14 of them. I rock them out in the streets when I do different types of videos. And for me, it helps me tap into my inner child. Mm. And it helps people just when I wear it and people look at me no matter what age, child to adult and seniors, they look and they just smile. It's just, it's ridiculous and it's fun. It brings them back to perhaps certain places in their lives. It, and just, it's so funny to say that because I realize only right now in this moment that this hat, yeah. which was out of my life for years, maybe three or four years, was my first artifact like that. And it was bring, tying back the stories all together. When I started doing this like 10 week tour of Israeli consulates, uh, it was right after this is a, a company hat from the from Mr. Youth, which became MRY, they gave them out. And I don't know why, but it, it, again, it just became like everyday gear. And I got such great like pleasure out of being in a serious situation, like training these local consulate communities, but indoors and wearing it like, Wearing it like this, <laughs> like giving them like real talk, serious, like nonstop two hour, like uh, social media boot camp, but like looking a little ridiculous. Mm. And it was just so it was just so fun for me. I agree. Tapping into your inner child, bro. And yes. so it's funny that in this moment, I'm wearing both of my favorite artifacts. Like Fantastic. That. And and listen, I got to say, just like throughout this whole conversation, throughout the whole day, you do project an incredible fun, down to earth energy. And it's, it's just a really like breath of fresh air to be around so blessings bro i appreciate yeah. that thank you. thank you thank you thank you so before coming here uh sitting down with you um i was doing a little, a little minimal research online and i came across in one of your bios you wrote 
that you're exploring the interplay of presence and hustle. I love that poetic way of expressing, you know, how you're expressing and practicing balance. So how do you do that with, you're a man of, you know, just you're surrounded by social media, it's your business, it's everything that, you know, it seems like everything that you're involved with. And also for myself, I could also include myself and I think many people who are listening that were, social media being the now and, and the filters and all that life is so much that we, we're living in. How do you balance that life and also be present in the now and practice through mindfulness that you're mm. living that lifestyle? So yeah, Bro, any tips? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, first thing I'll say is it's a struggle, no yeah. doubt, right? <laughs> like it struggle is real. I definitely spend way too much time on social media. I'm scared to look at screen time, even though I know it's so important to do. And especially because my work is wrapped up in being on and understanding the platforms. It's like, so, you know, it's a lot. Um, so it's something that I definitely, you know, think about and, and grapple with ongoing. I feel like the the truth is it might be like a, a not as much of a physical practice, you know, but more of a sort of a maybe spiritual mindset, mm -hmm. which is just deep surrender and, you know, belief or trust in, in both. It's all going to be good. Like no matter what happens, it's all going to be good. Ble like blessings, hashtag blessings. We'll talk about hashtag blessings. I want to reclaim hashtag bless. Yeah, you, like, you definitely oh, dropped the word bless a lot. Let's take a, let's take a quick aside on this one real quick. Let's do it. So the aside is that like one day I felt real good and I don't remember what it was and I wanted to post this story and I was like, I felt really great and like felt like such gra gratitude that I wanted to like post with like hashtag blessed. And then I, I was like, oh no, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be hashtag blessed person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what a shame that we have like publicly like shamed hashtag blessed or like eh, like when in fact it's just people you know or when it could be people expressing like their feeling of blessing and you know i know gra gratitude, gratitude. so I, I if you choose to accept let's reclaim hashtag blessed so people share their blessings more because i think it's a beautiful thing to like live in a state of like awareness to blessing boom um, you got so me on board stay tuned for hashtag blessed i'll be authentic boom. with it so when boom, you see bless, it on my story bless. um okay and so I don't remember the first topic. Got it. So yeah. bring it back to, to you were saying how the struggle is real when it comes to, oh. you know, being the world of social media. But so also, I think it's the idea that A, like in something really clicked a, uh, maybe two years ago, because especially in the world of entrepreneurship and surrounded by amazing people who I love and inspire me, who are like moving so fast. Like there was a, always this like feeling of like self-imposed pressure to like work harder, go faster. Like you're not there yet. There's always more to, which I've used, I think throughout life as like a motivating force like to push through and get like, like, I don't know, work harder. Um, but it just, it was always taking me out of the present moment. And then there was this one day that I realized I was like, wait a second. Like, I love life right now. Like I love my friends. I love my family. I love like, I love what's happening. I love the journey, I guess. Like there are ups, there's are down, you know, all, but like right now is perfect. And mm -hmm. so there's taking myself out of this, like expected place to be. I used to refer to it as the gap where like, I knew my, I believe in my potential. And then I like I'm familiar with like the currently actualized level of potential. And like I would always get so mad about this gap. Like like there was like self like I didn't have self love at, you know, this time. And still, you know, because because I was like, ah, oh, like I, I'm there's I should be doing more right now. Mm -hmm. And it was it was just not like it was not a, a happy or good place to be. And so releasing myself from that, embracing the presence, the idea that like it's all going to be good and whatever happens like is like we got this. Uh, the world will show up for me um, is, I guess, how I sort of deal with the the presence of interplay and hustle. I'm also, thank God, like, you know, very easily I'm able to like turn off at the end of the day or right? if I'm like worrying about this all day like, and I get home, like instead of bringing that home, I'm able to like sort of switch wavelength and just like 
kick it for a little bit. Um, and, um, and one of the most powerful new additions into my life as it relates to, I guess, wellness, um, or mindfulness, um, is men's work or, uh, basically I have a weekly men's group. Um, we meet every Tuesday. Um, and it's just been, it's, it's, so there's lots of, there's over the last year or two, there's become like, there's a, a lot of momentum or movement around, around men's work. What, what is it? It's basically structures can, and, and experiences that um, allow men to more comfortably like tap into and express their feelings. Okay. Um, and, and this one, the, the way that I, you know, encounter it is it's a weekly group with uh, uh, eight or nine guys. Um, we meet at different friends' houses each week. And there's a sort of a structure that we go around, but it's all about tapping into like where you're at in that moment right now. What do you, what's real for you? Feel like feeling in that moment. So not a story like, well, I got, you're automatically in story. Like, what are you feeling right now? Sadness or happiness or joy or love, whatever it is. And like holding space as a group for like that man to like feel fully into that and like help them explore. It's no solving. One of the rules is there's no solutions because mm. we're always in the state of solution. Like, well, maybe you should, that's not it. Right. It's about just holding space for them to be fully there, right there, like however they are and who they are in that moment. So pretty much men's work is like redefining what masculinity has been for us men and what the world says for, for all these years. For sure. I mean, it's definitely, you know, uh, actively working against the idea of toxic masculinity. No doubt. Mm. Yeah. Man up. Men don't cry. Don't men don't share their feelings. It's, this, this is all about feelings, you right. know, so for sure. Uh, two things if for people who are curious about checking it out. One of them is um, the a friend who runs um, the group that I'm in every Tuesday night started something called Junto. I think it's We Junto on Insta. And it's basically um, like a weekend retreat for about 18, 20 guys like upstate to like go deep on like this for an like, extended period of time, like two days with some like outdoor, some like like some like it's 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 beautiful. Um, and there's also an organization called Everyman, which is, you know, I think this one of the main conveners of the curriculum or the sort of way about um, popping up these men's circles uh, around around the world now. Amazing. That's yeah. incredible. I do. I mean, I do find that there's a lot more awareness or a lot, a lot more. I have in conversations with like kids. I go to public speaking at times at schools and different organizations and like these young kids, 16, 17 year olds. Um, no offense, 67 year olds, if you think you're, you know, growing up, but they're like showing up and they're like asking me such amazing questions mm-hmm. about like who they are, what they are questioning, you know, their identity or, or, or just being so much more aware of just the outside world and where they, where they fall into and where they play into it. So it's, it's, it's quite amazing. I think a lot has to do with people like yourself and with the, with, with certain players and certain influencers who are going out and sharing these messages and of course with a lot more information accessible these are the kind of conversations that i try to know for myself bring to light and bring to life um and that's the kind of stuff i you know want to project and share with the world so that's really amazing to go back um do you think dating apps jewish dating apps uh particularly are helping or only encouraging like the whole quote-unquote shit crisis Ooh. so it's interesting because for, i, I want to first say that um you know, I might not be the, ironically, the subject matter and expert on the Shidduch crisis, specifically as defined. Mm-hmm. But it was asked to me once before, and to be totally honest, it actually was in like in a public, you know, it was at a, some speaking engagement. And it was maybe one of the only and definitely like the heaviest thing that I answered. And then I felt like, oof, after I answered it, it oh. that, it's one of the only experiences like that I could remember. I felt a little bad about my answer but maybe i'll i'll share sure. it again because yeah, it's basically sure. this idea that like i feel like my first question is to whom 
is there a shidduch crisis? Is it to the to the community at large? Is it to the parents and grandparents? Is it to the individual themselves? And if the individual themselves, what degree of that is fully their internal versus their perceived pressure and external forces making it a shidduch crisis? Right? Like if some like we're universally people are getting married later, people are, you know, taking longer, exploring more of who they are. It, all, all of these things are happening across the board. Uh, it, it seems natural that that's happening right now. I hate to place language on it like a crisis for something that for everyone else in the world, it's just what like a, a new way of experiencing. Um, mm. So that's, that's my, yeah. That's a very interesting point of view. I, I, I hear what you're saying because I mean, in quote unquote, I, me being single, twenty nine years old in the community that I come from, it's been abnormal, and you know I'm only perhaps only feeding into this crisis and, and such. But and at the same time, if someone approached me, and you know the conversations people come over to you, oh, you're twenty nine, and the first kind of thing is like, oh, you must find somebody, oh, I know somebody for you, as if like something's wrong or bad mm. or I'm um, depressed or sad, mm. which I feel totally full, you know, and complete and, and great. I'm I'm so fortunate to have been able to you know, learn and continue to grow and find myself through my twenties and, and still open to perhaps meeting that right person. And when that, when that person, when that, when that happens. So I, it's, it's an interesting take that is this just being opposed and being talked about constantly and who's in the conversation, right? Is it just the Shadokim, uh, the Shadokim, is it just the matchmakers? Is it just the parents? And are they trickling that kind of fear and anxiety down to, to this millennial target? And what's, what is it rooted in? Like, why is it a, like all of these things that, I can't just sort of buy. Well, perhaps because maybe w girls, you know, have a certain you know biological clock, and you know, and there's you know a certain amount of time they can have kids, and so if the older they get, then you know, and so if men maybe took less time dating, and this, and, you know, I don't know the, all the arguments. Understandable, true, yeah. but that's that's I, I like I like that I like that angle and point of view. Um, so yeah, so I I really love the what you shared about the the, the shit of crises and such, and being in the world of of dating and J swipe, which is you know I would say modern dating. What are some some tips you can share about this whole world that we find ourselves when it comes mm. to, to to modern dating? First thing I would share is like solidarity for the people in it and experiencing it and going through it and you know yeah, because it 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 ain't easy you know <laughs> and it's important right. So yes. first let's feel for for the experience for the people. Um, I, I'd say the, the three most important things when people ask like, so what do you think about it? I, I would say first is uh, be radically clear with yourself and aware and honest about what it is you're looking for, right? Like don't say that you're trying to find the person and then your person and then be like texting your exes and, and like hooking up on rotate, whatever these things that are happening, like that's, oh, by the way, that's totally okay if that's what you if that's what you're looking for but really have a you know a, just an honest dialogue with yourself or check in with like what truly are you looking for in that moment first thing radical clarity oh, yeah um then clear space right because like right now it's a funny time but people are going on multiple dates a week with different people people are so confused it's hard to keep track of like like how you as a like a being actually connect with this other person if you're going on all these dates and meeting all these people and mixing up conversations or having the same conversation over and over again. And so clear space for it. And that could look different for everyone, whether it's stopping, you know, communication with past, you know, romance or love, whether it's, um, you know, going on less dates, like so that you could really be fully there and, and, and have that clarity. So uh, first be, you know, clear with yourself about what it is you're looking for, then make space um, to call that person in uh, with being radically clear. Um, and then dive in, right? Mm. Head first, like the mat across life, but also in love, magic doesn't happen from the comfort zone, right? Like it's scary to be vulnerable, but like in 
this in big risk is big reward. Like you gotta, you gotta give yourself to it. So many people, you know, that I talked to said that they're going on so many dates and everyone's so guarded or protecting. And it's like layers of self-defense mechanisms so they don't get hurt. But in creating that space, you're also creating a barrier of, you know, to yourself and, you know, to actually, uh, lean in and experience the magic of the love or the romance that that it is, that you're ultimately looking for so dive in you know it'll be scary um and be fully you right like be who, whoever you are in your fullest you know you because you want someone who loves you for that not some people report like basically we just did a study uh the jswipe love study oh it's, okay uh, it's it's um we uh very 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 excited about it we surveyed like thousands of people about the state of Jewish, the state of dating, and the state of Jewish dating. Um, so I'll come back to you with findings and we can have a follow-up podcast. But basically, um, people report that like people are going on dates and presenting or people are being presented want who you think the other person wants you to be mm. rather than just being fully like comfortable, self-expressed. So be expressed, dive in, it's scary, be vulnerable, clear space, and have radical clarity about what it is you're looking for. Those are just so like quote unquote simple ideas yet you don't hear so much about that because we. I feel like that's 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 the awareness that you're talking about. Like you, when you're in that flow, when you're in that that hamster wheel of like just boom, 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 showing up for days, 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 having the same conversation. You you know something's off. You feel like what's wrong with me? Why am I not connecting? Why am I not finding someone? And because you're in it, and so, I mean that's you, when you shed some light on that. You're like, whoa, breathe for a second, see the patterns that you're living through, see what the constant habits that you've created for yourself, perhaps because you've been fed it, because your other friends are doing it. That's what you feel is right and. Perhaps you may be hiding your emotion within dating so mm. many people. You don't want to be present with your emotions with that person. So it's those those are fantastic, fantastic tips um, for modern dating. And let's be honest, right? I mean, it's hard it's hard for an older generation to connect with that because it's not something that they struggled with. Um, Truth. I'm sure they had their own struggles, and, and and there's no judgment there at all. But it's not something that that it's something fresh, and we're figuring it out as well. And we turn mm. to our elders to ask. You know, question and advice. Perhaps not always do they. I mean, if they're supportive and loving, maybe we'd be blessed to have that kind of support system. But not always do they have those answers. I think that's also. I'm speaking way too fast. I'm really excited, Dave. You got me excited. Room, <laughs> we got this. Um, it's like it's it's you know, for me, part of adulting. Uh, hashtag was. I was is also to, was finding the truth that you know the 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 people that I looked up to, mentors, that's who I still love and respect. Parents, um, I love and respect, but not always do they have all the answers, right? Mm. That's just, I mean, uh, not always do they have all the answers, and that, and that's something that I have to figure out through my own friends, through my own mistakes. Um, and I think when adults, <laughs> well, I'm an adult now, but when 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 people who are older than me and people I've looked up to understand that as well, and not always because they also say I don't know, mm. and hearing I don't know for the first time from an adult was scary for me. Or oh, when seeing someone who I looked up to had a flaw that was presentable to me, I was like, "Whoa!" It's a powerful moment, right? Like so, that transition when it's like it almost like this like warp shift of perspective and uh, in, in that realization that all these people that we looked up to and are all humans, like they're just people too, like in their you know, it, yeah. So I feel you. Yeah. Right. So I mean, so talking about diving deep, we went we dove deep in that direction. So that's that's it's really great to for the person who's dating, someone who's listening right now, to to take those three pointers of advice and to just really be in it and to to allow themselves to feel and to see what's working and and to focus on that one person mm-hmm. and uh, and then and take the necessary steps from from that from that place. Um, Dave, how do you feel about always being connected with like J Swipe? Don't you? I mean, I'm sure you're working on so many other great stuff. So I answer me how you feel about being branded as the J Swipe guy. But then also, I would love to hear more about what you're up to besides mm-hmm. JSwipe because you're up to so many incredible things. Sure. So, I mean, as it relates to JSwipe, it's, I love it. It's fun. I mean, okay. at this point, it's like 
I, as we talked about a little bit earlier, like I love yeah. connection. I love community. I love love. I love all of these things. So being an ambassador of love and like helping people connect and really, you know, wanting to learn and hear and, and continue to push that further um, is deeply aligned with like my truth, with my with my purpose, with my like. So I feel deep alignment in that. So I, I love it. Right. And also, you know, it continues to evolve. It's it, it's always sort of it's always something new. And so, for example, now I'm very curious, you're passionate about um, global Jewish community. So not mm-hmm. just idea of one global Jewish community, but the fact that um, I, you know, this I mentioned went to India to ex- experience, explore the Jewish community there. And then last weekend I was, you know, spent Shabbat in Tulsa, Oklahoma to, you know, explore and understand the Jewish community there. And really like the similarities, the differences, the unique elements. It's just so I love that. Um, it's also in line with what I see as what I want to continue giving myself to. And JSwipe is a, a really a powerful platform to help me, you know, deepen that that um, understanding of the world, you know, Jewish experience globally and locally. Mm-hmm. So the alignment is there and it's beautiful. Um, the next question is what yeah. am I... Oh, yeah. So my, so my next question is, what, what's, do you have any specific projects that you're working on right now that you're excited about? And what are some of the hobbies that you do uh, out of work? Um, so, yeah, what I'm most excited about right now is something that it's funny because, like, I think about it sometimes where, you know, it's it's in the Jewish world. And honestly, I use, like, uh, like shlichlis or, like, mm. the idea of, like, Chabad rabbis, like, on the street, like, rapping to fill in on people. Like, when I see them... They're literally like getting high on creating this mitzvah with this other person. Like yeah. they do it because they're they it, they it fills them up so much and it's so beautiful. For me, this next experience like isn't because I'm like like high on life wrapping this new mitzvah with people. It's but it's because I feel like there's like an urgent critical need for this to exist. Ooh. And even though I struggle with like, is it my responsibility? Should I? I kind of want to live in a jungle. I want to ride around the world in a van. But like, shoots, like this has got to happen. And so it's more of like a compelled feeling of responsibility for this to happen. So I'm excited about it. And it's basically this idea that in all of the, over the last, let's say four or five years, I've done a lot of um, speaking to the Jewish communities or Jewish events or Jewish conferences on either on behalf of JSwipe or the Jewish dating experience or Jewish millennials or a variety of things. But honestly, most often I'm, I'm like, saddened by the lack of meaningful, critical, you know, open and honest dialogue around the state of the modern millennial Jewish experience, you know, at what I see as the global convenings of the Jewish world. So mm. these these organizations and networks and uh, spaces are, that we believe to be the, the conveners of global Jewry, I call it big Jewish. Um, and I think most people just sort of like be like, oh, yeah, they got it. Like, we're good because I'm relying on the, the global convening bodies to like have our backs and get it done right like are are to me not having like i'll go and it'll be on and respect by the way i love going and it's beautiful so you know happy to be there yeah. um but it'll be it feels like a token millennial panel it's like here's a weekend long pep rally with all of the biggest you know jewish donors in the the states to talk about how great we're doing as a jewish world and by the way here's a 30 minute you know millennial pep like talk and there's just so much more to unpack you know that i find so critical critical as it relates to the Jewish future and, you know, the current gap of um, like a, a large scale uh, uh, Jewish millennial, you know, audience being less engaged and it's just not having meaningful dialogue around that. So anyways, um, the project that comes next is called the Jewish Future Summit. Um, it's starting uh, with a one day experience in New York City uh, in 2019. And it's by design decentralized, meaning like it's not my vision. I'm, I'm asking the questions or we're all asking the questions, but I certainly don't have the answers. 
but I believe in co-creation, collaboration, basically the uh, people of inspired minds coming together to A, figure out what the questions are and then collectively address them mm -hmm. um, as it relates to you know the modern and future Jewish experience. And so that's what's coming next. I'm really excited. Boom. Hopefully you'll be there, bro. I Yo, hope you know. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I hope you're there. Thank you, thank you, thank um, and you. And it, it feels it feels like very, very important, you know, to me and I believe to the Jewish world in this moment for this this type of uh, conversation to take place. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah. That's super. That's so exciting. Are there like two or three questions that I know you don't have all the questions, definitely all the answers. But what are the two or three points or questions that you're realizing that are being overlooked by these other conferences, by the other groups that you would want to be addressed at this summit and bring I mean, up. let's start with broad based framework. Like what are the most important causes or issues or challenges taking place to us today? I'm so curious. I have no idea. Um, uh, let's talk about interfaith marriage. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to be a polarizing topic, right. but let's address it. Let's talk about it. Uh, um, you know, uh, just everything. I'm, I'm curious about what people are struggling with, what people, you know, are finding success, like basically insight sharing because it's not competitive, right? It's all of us experiencing and creating experiences or community or, you know, in our local, in our local, wherever we live. And so sharing what's working, sharing best practices, sharing tools, templates, ideas, collaborating. I'm a big believer in like through coming together as like a, a, as community, we can address, you know, significantly more powerfully um, than you know individuals alone. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, fantastic, fantastic. Is there anybody specific that you would hope and want to be at the summit? That you um, I, I, it's uh, I, first of all by design, open, right? Um, and anyone who cares in any capacity, and I hope disagreement. Like, you know, yeah. I want every all <laughs> the things should be there, God willing, because um, that's important. They're like it, 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 the the Jewish world looks, you know, different. Yeah. You know, five, 10, 20 years from now than it does now or than it did 50 years ago. I don't know what it will look like, but I know it will continue to look different. Um, and so therefore I hope it, 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 we, it is, the space is representative of whatever that difference looks like. Beautiful, beautiful, David. And I know you're excited about some of the hobbies that you're up to. Um, oh, I got you, bro. I got yeah, you. I okay. Got you. You know, I don't know. This is like the first time publicly. Actually, that's not true. I story about it. So okay, okay. So, for uh, podcast. You know, your so, earlier so. question of like what, like what's something that I do? Yeah, some know, hobbies for, you do for, for, fun. for fun or for like presents. Yeah, I don't know why, but like a couple of years, I've always been drawn to pottery, right? Like I like the aesthetics of like little ceramics, and I love plants, as you can see. Like I have a lot of them in my space, and so I'm always buying pots. I, I joke that like in college, I used to spend all my money on pot and now I spend all my money on pots. We'll insert uh, the ding uh, and post. Okay, good, good, good. Um, anyway, so um, I started, I took like a seven week uh, pottery wheel course that just finished last week and I got, Congrats. got a bunch of stuff back. Basically, I made a bunch of planters. Beautiful. So this is the planter, meaning there's a hole in the middle so the water can drain. Um, this is called speckled clay. I love it's, it. I got, love the colors. Got a half dip of some white glaze, and it's a labor of love. I, I I experienced like all the feels going through this, like because it wasn't just one. I made a bunch, and like I put so much time and effort and energy and love and time, and like then on the, the second day of the second stage, it flies off the wheel and like cracks against the wall. And I'm like, oh, heartbreak. Oh. And then like the next day, I get one back that I finished, and it's beautiful, and I love, it. and it's like ah, triumph. It's been a funny, um, it's been a funny, you know, experience, but these are, you know, this is some, Oh, that's another some, beautiful some, Yeah, you don't have to, dark. Anyway, so it's been that. a fun, beautiful, therapeutic way of just like, think, like just sort of unplugging at the end of a day of work. 
Uh, and you know, and I, just use I, your hands, get back to yeah. the to mud and clay, and create with your with your being. That's that's fantastic, man. That's really, and I, I mean, perhaps you now appreciate every vessel that you see. It's so funny. I'm like always checking out. I'm always checking out pottery, or like someone will bring me like a teacup at like a restaurant. I'm like I'm like eyeing that teacup. I'm like, ooh, I ooh, see what okay. you did there. Okay, Which respect, backhand and like respect, different- <laughs> respect, yeah. strong pottery uh, game. Ah, uh, David, this has been so refreshing and so amazing you're sharing your wisdom and your stories and your, and your being with us thank you so so much for having me and inviting uh, me into your home which Welcome, was uh, really, really casa, special casa. my man yeah, thank you for being here thank you for having me hashtag blessings let's reclaim that um, and I look forward to seeing you on the Jewish Future Summit amen and if people want to find you how can they find you on social uh, David Yaris on Insta Y-A-R-U-S um, I think is my preferred now, honestly now I've even started saying it's my preferred like avenue of communication but in terms of some if i'm at an event or someone says like oh how can i how can i get in touch i'm like it's, it's just all, let's just centralize it through that texas of course is easier but anyways um and or jswipe so follow you know i'm happy to if anyone has any you have a profile on jswipe uh so this girl steph in my office and myself we have community manager profiles so okay. when you sign up you either get a message from steph Fry being like hey welcome to jswipe we'd love to hear your thoughts stories ideas comments critiques you know, tell us, et cetera. And so uh, my, my experience is mostly hearing uh, people's stories, requests, and, and funny, funny things. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, Dave, that sounds awesome. Check out David on social media. So much, so, so such great energy. And once again, thank you for having me. Blessings, brother. Yeah. Blessings. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just learned about it. Another podcast in the bag. Thank you so much to David Yaris for being with us today, opening up his beautiful home, sitting down, sharing with us. I love this man. Incredible, incredible, exuding so much amazing energy. We're bringing back hashtag blessed, friends. That's it. Spread the word. Hashtag blessed. David, you're a rock star. And you can check out David and what he's up to online. You could check out Millennial, uh, David Yaris, uh, at David Yaris on Instagram. And go check out J-Swipe. If you're single Jewish, check it out. Perhaps you'll find your best shirt. And I'm sure it'll be an adventure either way. So have fun with that. And thank you, yes you, for listening. Greatly, greatly appreciated. I'd love to hear your feedback. So please don't hold back and, sh- and share. Share, share, share. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. Um, your support means and goes a long, long way. So like I always say, stay positive, be happy. I'm Mayor K, and have a great day. Hashtag blessed.